Welcome to Films in the Wilderness, episode three of season three. And today we'll be talking about Ang Lee's 1993 movie, The Wedding Banquet. I'm Carl Stevens, and I'm joined by... I'm Molly Cook. And I'm Holly Engel. Great. And it's great to see you guys this evening. Um, So The Wedding Banquet is a movie that I watched in 1993 when I came out and have fondly remembered. And I was a little worried going into this that it wouldn't hold up because I suggested it for the list without rewatching it. Um, I actually think it held up, but I'm really curious to hear your guys' opinions of it. Um, But we're going to plunge right in by going as we usually do just to our first question and everything we have to say about the film and our descriptions of the film will come out as we talk about it as we answer these questions. So what experiences of metaphorical wilderness do the characters in the film go through? Anyone have a character you want to talk about in their wilderness? I think there are several in this one. Yeah one of the things I loved about this movie was how like all five members of the ensemble cast got like robust character development so I I guess like we can trade off talking about each one um Holly do you want to talk about the first one the the main protagonist sure the main protagonist what was his name I'm so bad with names it was Wei Wei Ton Gao Wei Ton Gao so with with Wei I feel like his wilderness he had multiple wildernesses, wilderness, wilderness, wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> um, multiple wildernesses, um, and one of them, of course, was um, his sexuality and trying to navigate that specifically with his parents, because he was very comfortable with it um, in New York with his boyfriend, um, with the people that he knew generally. Um, but not with his parents. Um, And so he has that wilderness that he needs to navigate. But there's also the wilderness of tradition that kind of goes hand in hand with his family is that he is not traditional um, in the sense that they expect him to be. Um, And trying to, so there's there's two sets of expectations there that he's trying to meet um, and that he gets kind of lost trying to meet is the, the expectation of, um, sexuality and the expectation of following tradition and having having a child, um, mostly for his father um, who wants a grandchild. Yeah. And did you say that they're Taiwanese? Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, okay. Who wanted, anyone want to take Weiwei? I'll take Weiwei. Okay. Um, so Weiwei is, um, well, she's Wei Tung's fiance his um his beard as it were <laughs> um for his parents she's uh her real wilderness is like the american immigrant experience uh but then it's also a, a fun take on like meeting the in-laws um when she doesn't really like have a, a romantic relationship with Wai Tung, although there are elements of nuance to that um so she's also navigating this, like the implications of having an extended family and wedding, all the things that weddings bring up. And then yeah. eventually, spoiler alert, an unplanned pregnancy. Yes. Yeah. And she's kind of a free spirit. She doesn't have a green card. She's stuck in New York. She's living in one of uh, Wei Tung's houses or apartments or yeah, something. Yeah. Pro- like it's not even a residential property. Right. It's like some gross factory loft 
thing where she's just kind of surviving, but nothing is working out for her. Um, which I think if you guys don't mind me taking Simon, I will, because it's a natural progression. Yes. So Simon is Waitan's um, longtime boyfriend, partner. He's the, uh, he's the only uh, Anglo in the main cast. Um, but what's funny about the movie, I mean, it's a comedy. There are many things that are funny about it. But one of the funny things about it is Simon speaks uh, Chinese. I'm not sure whether that, what, what do they speak in Taiwan? Is it Mandarin? Is it... Uh, I think it's Mandarin. Yeah, okay. Anyway, he speaks Chinese kind of sort of, but he's also a very good Chinese cook. Like his walk skills seem spot on, uh, which was kind of amazing to watch. Uh, and it's his idea to have uh, Wei Tong and Wei Wei have this fake marriage because it seems at first that it will solve both their problems. It'll get Wei Tong's parents off his back. It'll get Wei Wei uh, green card. Uh, or a way to live in the United States. Um, and Simon is a very sweet physical therapist, giving, loving person. I, I'm very, very pro Simon, but I, but his wilderness comes from the fact that one, he has his in-laws who don't know that he is Wei Tun's partner living with them for I don't know how long it is. It's but. supposed to be two weeks, but by the time that they prolong their stay because of um, Mr. Gao's stroke, it feels like they've been there for longer. Yeah, months maybe. Yeah. Like it's quite it's quite a marathon for them. Um, so that's part of it is kind of watching the person he loves get deeper and deeper into the situation, which Simon himself instigated. So he really can't blame Wei Tun for it, but there's a, a real chance that they're going to break up just because of the pressures of the situation. Okay, anyone want to take Mr. Gao or Mrs. Gao? I can take I'll take the one that you don't want, Holly. <laughs> I'll take Mr. Gao because I thought he was great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he he ended up being one of my favorites. Um and I think um most obviously his wilderness is um dealing with his his strokes and dealing with old age um and that trying trying to figure out how to navigate that which is difficult in a, itself um but also trying to be a part of his son's life um and and um his his hope in becoming a grandfather as well it's so it's like these um the desires that he wants for for himself and for his son um, and trying to navigate what is, I don't know, what not what is right, that's not the right wording. I'm just trying to navigate the situation, I guess. Um, and because apparently, another spoiler alert, as we find out, um, he has known for a long time that, that Simon is Wei Tong's boyfriend. Um, and so he has obviously navigated that as, as um, Wei Tong's father and has come to terms with it as well um and so but i suppose we'll talk about that later so i guess that he he also has multiple wildernesses going on yeah yeah he has a kind of internal acceptance i i think i would add um like we're told that as a young man he ran away to join chiang kai-shek's army fighting uh, mao and the communists and that's how he ended up on tai in taiwan so he's not a taiwanese native he and 
Um, he had also left to escape um, an arranged marriage. So yeah. he has his own experience of sort of the expectation and pressure of tradition that is now kind of being born by his son. Um, yeah. He can be a little bit more sympathetic, I think, with wanting to break free from that. Well, and also, you know, he tells Wei Tun that the rest of the Gao family is dead. Like there's no one left on mainland China, right? So this is not just, he wants his own personal lineage to continue, but in a way for the second week in a row, we're talking about ancestors, right? But he has this responsibility to his ancestors to make sure that the, the lineage continues. All right, Molly, do you want to take Mrs. Gao? Sure. So Mrs. Gao, with this is also keeping in the theme of like mommy issues. Um, in yeah. our movies. Um, Mrs. Gao is, is a tough pill. She uh, represents like, um, like sort of this like staunch tradition um, at the beginning. And she sort of goes through this wilderness of experiencing um, a new world through visiting the United States and seeing sort of more how her son has embraced modernity in a lot of ways. Um, and she's also seeing that through Weiwei eventually. Um, so I'd say like her wilderness is a reconciliation with the changing world that is not like as comfortable or familiar to her. Um, and that plays out both in like just the general traditional aspects of, of things that come up, but also in the discussion of, of Wei Tung's sexuality. But her relationship with Weiwei is really beautiful. You know, it there's really almost is. like a surrogate motherhood, daughter, you know, thing happening between them. So as you said, I think, Molly, they're all rounded characters, right? Like nobody is simply a bigot or simply closed-minded. They all have uh, many sides, many facets to their personalities. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the movie was... Um, and we're going to probably jump all, all around oh, the, sure. the plotting. But um, towards the end, after they've been found out and everything has been confessed to uh, Mrs. Gao, uh, Weiwei returns like the, the heirloom traditional wedding um, garb that Mrs. Gao gave to her for, for their wedding ceremony um, and apologizes and, and says that she hopes that one day she'll understand if I forgive. And it sparks this conversation um, between Weiwei and Mrs. Gao, where Mrs. Gao sort of talks about how she admires the women of Weiwei's generation and how liberated they are, um, but also like articulates this expectation that they still have the same priorities towards like marriage and family, but that like husband and children always come first. And Weiwei's like, mm, not really. <laughs> and you just see Mrs. Gao's face like totally sing as she's like, once again, faced with this like harsh reality, even when she's trying to be like conciliatory, trying to embrace the new thing, she's just like, gets totally taken under um, and like out of her depth immediately. Right. And and will remain so probably. Forever. Not yeah. for her life, but still. Um, all right. So what new thing is emerging in their lives? I mean, there are so many new things <laughs> in all these characters' lives. It's kind of hard to, to specify, but is there anything in particular that any of you saw? I feel like there's a lot of new 
emerging relationships um, because um, the the relationship between Weiwei and Weitong, even though they're not actually in love with one another, that there's still this um, friendship in a way that that has that is eventually created between them um, and between between Weiwei and Simon and Weiwei and Mrs. Gao especially. Um, and so there's all of these, all of these different friendships, these different types of relationships that are sprouting from this very, um, if you think about it, very distressing situation. So they're, they're, even though the whole situation is very distressing and um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lying going on, um, that still produces some good things. Yeah, I mean, I think like, um, sort of a, a more like general thing that's emerging is this new like sense of authenticity in their relationships. All of these people, with the exception of like Weiwei and Simon with Mr. and Mrs. Gao were sort of related to, had relationships with each other before. Um, but obviously like the relationships are all deepening in various ways. And um, it starts like, you know, because there's a lot of talk around main lie of, of the situation. So it starts off very deceptive, but as the truth is revealed, all of those relationships become more authentic. They become more intimate and more vulnerable. And then you have see like, I guess that's all symbolized in Weiwei's pregnancy and the new child coming in into all of their lives. Yeah, that pregnancy is, I'm of two minds about it because I, I think one of the things the film is doing is negotiating be, between the new and the traditional and Weiwei gets pregnant, you know, after the wedding banquet where essentially Weitan and Weiwei, you know, they return to the hotel room that's reserved for them. They're both exhausted because everybody has been making them drink like crazy. And then somebody knocks on the door and Weitan is like, don't open it. But Weiwei is already has. And all these people come flooding in and it is so invasive, right? And, and I'm, I'm, my reading was that it was entirely traditional that this is just what happens at a Chinese wedding um, or maybe a Taiwanese wedding. But just the thought of like having a ton of relative strangers crowd around your bed and demand you throw your clothes out at them. And, you know, everybody being like wildly drunk and playing Mahjong in your room while you're just trying to go to sleep. So horrible. Um, but that's why that's why she gets pregnant. Right. Because they're super drunk. Yeah, so you mentioned at the beginning of or at the top of the podcast that you had hoped that this would have aged well. And I, I think if there was anything about the film that did not age well, um, it was that consummation scene <laughs> because it like came off as a rape to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like just from the way the characters handled it in the, mo in the movie, like afterward, it wasn't treated that way <laughs> by them. Um, so, you know, I had to kind of sort of put that aside and try to view it through the character's lens. Um, but Weiwei really kind of like forces herself on Weitong. And she even says this really disturbing line when she, he asks her what she's doing. She says, I'm liberating you. Yeah. Um, and that's very upsetting considering that it's a, complete like disregard for his sexuality which he has established with her right right yeah that you're right that really doesn't age well and um 
And yet I feel like it was kind of truthful to the time. Like I, I think both people had a less nuanced or, or less developed understanding of consent. Mm-hmm. And I think also people had a less nuanced or developed understanding of sexuality. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I, and I find, I kind of think like, I, I find myself wanting to let way, way off the hook and to say that it is something about the situation. It was manufactured for that. I guess that's what I was getting at. Like, how do traditions like that develop? And I think they must develop out of the fact that an arranged marriage is um, challenging, right? Like here you are suddenly with somebody who you really don't know and haven't really met before. And um, you are supposed to consummate the marriage with them. <laughs> like getting super drunk in order to, to handle that situation is, uh, you know, it's not a good choice, but it's an understandable choice. Yeah. And we're, ha- you know, having people kind of make sure that what needs to happen happens. I mean, like there's a lot of historical evidence of this, like yeah. bishops outside the door, right? <laughs> uh, like a, a newly married monarch. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's very <laughs> upsetting to our modern sensibilities, but I think that there's probably a lot of cultural precedent. Yeah, I think I've been thinking about this and thinking, um, I wonder how much harm was done by the drive for procreation. <laughs> Maybe that's too large a concept maybe to get into, but it's like how much human freedom has been just set aside because of the desire for progeny or the, or the perceived need to produce progeny. Well, I think yeah. like the whole legacy of misogyny <laughs> Yeah. So that's just a start. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, given all of that, so Wei Wei is pregnant and um none of them are happy. Like it's destroying Wei Tun and Simon's relationship. Uh Wei Tun is obviously very angry at her for all of this. Um, and she decides to have an abortion. Um, and she asked Wei Tun to take her, which I thought in, in, in that itself, it was an interesting choice. I was like, I wonder why she's asking him and not Simon, for instance, who I would think would be the more sympathetic. All along has been a more sympathetic character towards her. I don't know. Am I strange for wondering about that? I don't know. I mean, to me, it seems very natural to have it be way time since like this was a, a thing that they created together. Yeah. Um, I guess that makes sense. But yeah, and I that- mean, if I was just like one of their friends and I needed anyone to accompany to me, me to like any medical appointment, I would have picked Simon. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> what do you think, Holly? I, I thought her decision made sense. Uh, maybe it's just like a, I don't know, intuition thing rather than uh, something with actual um, evidence. But it it made sense because they are the ones, regardless of um, the, the lack of consent, um, they were still both party to create because yeah, you had to have both of them to create the baby. Um, and so it's kind of, it was kind of like, I don't know, maybe full circle type thing that we created this baby. And so we're also going to 
um, take it out of the world together. Um, so when we were there at its conception, we'll both be there um, at its unconception, mm-hmm. um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And and you're right. It would have been, I think, morally unfair to him not to give him some role to play in this, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but also, I mean, it was the 90s. Like, how many, you know, biological fathers attended abortions in, that, in those days? Well, that's a good question. Um, I and mean, that, and, today. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yet she decides not to have an abortion. And we're not... Um, we're not really shown why she makes that decision. I think that scene is intercut with uh, Mr. Gao revealing to Simon that he has actually understood English all along and understood that Simon and, and uh, Wei Tan are a couple all along. And, and therefore kind of as a viewer, it makes emotional sense. It's like, oh, the air has been cleared. The thing no longer has to happen. But of course, wait, Wei Wei doesn't know that, right? So it's hard to tell why she makes this decision, except maybe it's because of the conversation she has with Mrs. Gao the night before. Yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting scene because they're on their way to the abortion (laughs) when she decides not to do it. Um, Or I guess when she realizes that she decided not to do it. So it could have been anything. And I, I honestly kind of like that because it seems to be accurate to real life. Yeah. You know, people make all kinds of decisions for reasons that are not clearly evident to their observers. So, yeah, yeah you, I don't think we needed one. <laughs> like, You stop to get a burger. The burger is good. You realize no matter what's happening to you in the moment, burgers will continue to be good. Yeah, or like like that there's a life inside of you that is feeding on this burger and will one day enjoy a burger of its own. Right, right. It could be anything. Yeah, it makes sense to me. It was like in Juno, it was that it had like toenails. Right, yeah. Um, And yet at the end of the movie, she says she's going to go back to China with this baby who Wei Tan will conceivably never see again. And that too left me a little wondering. It left me a little sad that Wei Tan doesn't want to take any responsibility for this life or be like, oh, I'm going to keep participating. But she does ask Simon to like agree to co-parent. Yeah. Yeah. So there does seem to be an intention of maintaining the relationship there. You know, when was she going to? I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember her <laughs> saying that she was going to go back to China. Yeah. Maybe she's just saying it briefly in passing or something. I think it's, it is in the room. So she and Wei Tun return and encounter Simon. And, and maybe she says it and the, they immediately are like, no, that doesn't need to happen. You know, it may have been, but I, I'd have to watch it again to get it. Yeah, um, I think I thought that they were like agreeing to take care of her. Okay. Yeah, that was my reading together they were all going yeah, to like they were like going to be a family like it, mm-hmm. I, I even joked i was like it's like modern family two decades early <laughs> <laughs> it is it is i think they kind of are a family all along they just need to realize it and maybe that's mm-hmm. a new thing that's being coming at you know mm-hmm. developing in their lives is just this understanding of what a deep and profound family they can be um yeah. 
I agree. Yeah. This new and healthier understanding in family. Although it did strike me that it wasn't quite healthy on the part of Mr. and Mrs. Cow because they were both lying to each other about Wei Tung's like sexuality. Yeah. Um, and just like um, de decidedly continuing that charade. Well, and that might be like the true break from tradition that the movie is giving us, right? Mm -hmm like this idea that there are separate spheres, there are like men's spheres and women's spheres and people are always protecting each other from information that you think they shouldn't have. By the end of the movie, everybody knows everything. It's just Mr. and Mrs. Gao don't know that each other know, but certainly mm -hmm. Simon Wei, Wei and Wei Tung all know all each other's stuff. Mm -hmm. But Mr. and Mrs. Gao also don't want each other to know. So it's like they're content in their selves, like, oh, um, my husband doesn't know, my wife doesn't know, it's all good, but like they do know. So there's that. Yeah. Kind that of was kind of my question though. I was like, mm, do we think that Mr. Gao doesn't know that Mrs. Gao knows? Because he's an awfully perceptive guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was perceptive enough to pick up on a relationship that was happening and not his native language. I would think that he'd have caught on to the fact that his wife of multiple decades was visibly agitated at all like she was not that stealthy about her <laughs> disdain for what was happening well maybe when they're saying don't let your father know or don't let your mother know what they're really saying is don't make this a public conversation mm -hmm. maybe they thoroughly understand that the other one actually does know they just don't want it to be stated and i think that's like very clearly implied through the, the conversation that follows Mr. Gao's revelation to Simon that he's known all the whole, the whole time and that he does like in fact approve in his own way um, of their relationship because Simon gets all excited about how like happy Wei Tung is going to be when he finds this out and Mr. Gao is like no one can know <laughs> and I was like Simon you better tell Wei Tung once they get on the plane. But, um, and, and Simon asks why, and Mr. Gale answers in Chinese that Simon can't understand and mm -hmm. says, because without the lie, I wouldn't be having my grandchild. Mm -hmm. And I was so frustrated by that because I was just like, it's done, dude. Like, <laughs> the kid's on its way nothing more need be said like you can you can like drop the pretense you know yeah but I think it's like a continuation of that like need to to have separate spheres and protect each other from things that that Mr. and Mrs. Gao sort of represent in the story so Wei Tung is kind of an afterthought <laughs> you know it's this ha maintaining this illusion of public propriety is Mr. Gao a master manipulator? Yes. <laughs> <That's weird. laughs> he's, a, he's like a general, right? Like he's yeah. this, this is his whole like he he probably like war war schemed it or something. He, pl he planned this from the beginning. He planned Wei Tung and Simon's relationship like five years ago. He's like he's a puppeteer. <laughs> oh man. Probably like made Mrs. Gao sent oh also this is the second movie that's featured like internet data <laughs> or what yeah I was thinking about that I was like wait a minute internet dating <laughs> again yeah 
Um, the first one being Harold and Maude, which was like 1971 before there was any glimmer of an internet. Yeah. Computer dating or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Computer dating. Um, but yeah, he probably like convinced Mrs. Gow to like put pressure on him so that he would, you know, because he had this singular goal. He wanted a legacy. He wanted a grandchild. And then he yeah. had a stroke. And so he's like, oh, we have to hurry things up here. Expedite the <laughs> yeah. situation. I um I remember the one scene I totally remembered from watching it 20 years ago was uh, the end scene in the airport where Mr. Gao's arms go up like he's a phoenix rising. And I, as I was watching for it this time, I was like, oh, he's going to do that at any moment. And in my mind, I had remembered it as just something he does just because he's so happy. But of course, it's because they are scanning him uh, for boarding, you know, with a handheld metal detector. I was like, well, I I still think it's like a good Phoenix Rising moment and probably more Mr. Gao not to be like doing something exuberant um, Mm -hmm. all on his own at the end. So it's a lovely scene. All right. So what has to die in them in order for the new thing to emerge? I guess heteronormativity. Yes. <laughs> the silence has to die. The the silence um that that Simon, not Simon, um that Wei Tung has kept from his parents. And and of course he does just tell his mother, not his father, but that that silence has to die because without that and everyone just was like so relieved at the end of the film it felt like this huge burden had just been lifted even though it caused lots of um there was still tension about it but it it, it just i feel like for for way tongue it, it was at, like his actual liberation that was that's what it was not not the um wedding night yeah yeah definitely the silence had to die uh, although I think we just ended up saying that it doesn't really. <laughs> That's another weird way, right? In, way, in some ways, the silence does, but in does. other ways, it. Yeah. yeah. I think Wei Tung's silence had to die. Yeah. Um, the thing that I, w- I was really interested by was that he seemed to be like out in New York, mm. but. The, this wedding banquet happens there and like the entire like Chinese Taiwanese immigrant community sh- shows up and all of them are like unsurprised to see him marrying a woman or you know like and they all talk about how close they are with him like that they went to school together and and all of this and there's references to Wei Tong having relationship with relationships with women while he was in school exposed to these other members of his community who might have some sort of, you know, road back to his parents. So he he was out in New York, but not totally there either. Like he had this new community kind of, but he was still like sort of in the closet even there. And I would like to think that given his revelation to his mother, like he can now live in honest and authentic and genuine life in his own environment at least yeah because the only person like it would get back to that couldn't know would be his dad and hopefully (laughs) 
in my head canon simon tells him that that's okay yeah i would hope so too yeah i think he's he's out among his his gay friends but still closeted in the taiwanese community in new york you know we see that scene on the bridge at the beginning where he runs into his kind of obnoxious school friend and obviously doesn't really want much to do with him (laughs) so yeah I, i i don't think he's entirely out um and at the wedding banquet itself, there are um, some same-sex couples that we see, but they're all Anglo, like none of them are Taiwanese. So I, I caught that too. And I was like, oh, they invited all their friends, you know, so the gay community is there. They're just not, there's a language barrier and a cultural barrier, which means that nobody understands what the other group is doing in this situation. I did love that speaking of the wedding and and like the the language and cultural barrier I love that when they presented the the wedding album as a going away gift to Mr. and Mrs. Gallup Simon was in so many of the pictures yes at the airport (laughs) yeah it was like looking at the true family and they all gather around too to look at it like that shot I think was it was a beautiful shot. It was just showing that they really are a family. All five of them are a family, whether they acknowledge it or not. Yeah. So did anything have to die in Weiwei? I feel like we're not giving Weiwei enough shrift here. Yeah. I mean, she definitely still held a candle for Wei Tung. She was flirting with him in the opening scene, kind of doing that whole, like, are you sure you're not gay thing? Yeah. Um, and clearly that that played out later on in that disturbing consummation scene. Um, yeah. So I think that she has to let go of, of her hopes for a relationship with Wei Tung in that way. Yeah. And maybe even like her idea of what her American life is going to be like. Um. Because it's obviously going to be very different now she has a child, but we do still her see her painting. Like she's she's still getting to do that. So not that's not taken away from her, which I was grateful for. Well, I think we've kind of covered the movie, guys. Um, any final thoughts about it before we we do our sign off? Did you guys like it? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. It, good. It, was, it was really good. It was a fun movie. Yeah, I'm really glad. I. Um, that and Eat, Drink, Man, Woman are Ang Lee's two early films, and I don't think he ever he's ever been better. Although, did he direct The Ice Storm? I think he might have. Um, he's directed other great movies, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Have you guys seen that? Yes. Okay, yeah. Anyway, um, love Ang Lee, or at least love his early period. Uh, okay, so would you take this film with you into the wilderness? You're going off for 40 days and 40 nights? I would. I, I'd watch it again. It, I like how it's a nice mixture of, of comedy, but also um, seriousness. I, I don't know if I call it a dramedy. I feel, I don't know if it's like drama drama, but um, I don't know. It's it's a good movie to watch out in the desert when all you have is a TV. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would take it. I think it's just wonderfully constructed in a way that like you you get more on multiple rewatches. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I think, a great reminder of what where you can go if you're when when you let go of pretense and, and embrace 
authenticity, which I think could be helpful in a sort of spiritual wilderness. Yeah, I think I would too. I think we, um, we've we started to articulate that there are chosen families as well as biological families. And as a culture, I think we've started to affirm uh, the importance of chosen families and their value, which I'm really glad about. Uh, but one of the things I like about this movie is it kind of, it asserts that you can have both. You know, you can have the chosen family and also maintain ties to your biological family. And it's, it's not an either or. Um, and I think theologically, if I could just bring this back to being a church podcast for a moment, uh, one might say, you know, that the the church in the New Testament, or at least the group of people who follow Christ, are often articulated as a kind of chosen family, even to the point where, you know, you have to break ties with the biological family um, in order to follow Christ, which can be true. Like there are certainly situations where the biological family is destructive and ugly, and it's absolutely the right thing to break ties. Um, but it's also true that evangelicals have held the family up as like the paragon, like the thing that we should all be attached to all the time. And that's not true either. Right? So I think having, having a film that can assert both, you know, that can say both of these are important. Don't let go of your identity, your tradition, um, but also don't let go of all your, of your new identities. And, and in this case, your sexual identity and everything else, like find a way for both things to exist. I think like for either, you know, blood family or chosen family, both, both families are constructed mm -hmm. um, intentionally by us. And we, we don't ought, like to think of that as much with biological family as we do with chosen family. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think one of the things that this movie does is remind us that we have agency in that process for both types. How is the biological family? You mean like by the marriages we make? Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. Right. You know, obviously, like in traditional like arranged marriages, they're constructed by your your extended ancestry. <laughs> but yeah. um, you know, now we construct them ourselves by choosing who to marry, who to progenate with, uh, choosing what level of of interactions we want to have with our family once we become adults. Mm -hmm all sorts of things. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a good final thought. Um, last week, I forgot to thank Brianna Kelly for providing our theme music and Jed Deering for being um, producer of this podcast. So thank you to both of them and thank you to the two of you.